This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk. I'm your host, Steve Hilliard. This is the third in a series of three conversations with Louise Shipley, European Head of Marketing for Workplace Health Solutions at Fellows Brands, around the many impacts that lockdowns have had on the world of work and workforce well-being, and the resulting opportunities for the business supplies industry. In this final episode, we'll be reviewing the results of Fellows' recently published New Way of Working survey, which provides some fascinating insight into how the events of the past year are expected to reshape the world of work. So Louise, welcome back for part three, final leg. And today we're going to be talking about, I guess, what's been the highlight of your last couple of weeks, your Fellows' New Way of Working survey. So first question, really, what was the fellow's motivation for launching this new way of working campaign? So yeah, in, in terms of background, this was probably actually born several months ago, because as you know, around 18 months ago, we launched Emma, our work colleague of the future campaign. And just as a reminder, Emma was a, a life-size representation of how we would look in 20 years time if we continue working with poor posture and, and in, inadequately set at workstations based I, on... I met, I met Emma once or twice. She seemed oh, huge. Did you? <laughs> I don't know whether that you, you grow what, the large height in Yorkshire. or width, <laughs> or both. <laughs> yes, well, she she was supposed to be a life size representation, yeah, of of how we could look if we continued to work with poor posture and inadequately set up workstations, based on the findings from a report and from a survey we commissioned. And and so you know, fast forward six months from the launch of Emma, and many of us across the globe found we were working, you know, in exactly the same sort of situation, but within a home location instead. So I think to make matters worse, this was really exacerbated by the fact many of us were wholly unprepared for the experience and subjected to working from kitchen tables and chairs and and even sofas and beds and floors, as I'm sure you've read in the research results. So really, in the whole scheme of things, you know, the risks associated with these, this type of working beyond the initial first few weeks were really significant. And we immediately started to hear and read reports of of physical pain and discomfort, and, and this was covered obviously by the media, that people were experiencing, but also mental anguish as workers really faced an uncertain period in many ways. And on the flip side of this, employees welcomed the, the opportunity to abandon their commutes in many cases and spend more time with their family and, and you know, gain back a, a work-life balance. So we really felt that these changing habits and behaviours that we were seeing and hearing about really warranted further insight and exploration. So out of that, the campaign was born. Okay. You chose seven European markets. Were there any specific reasons for the choice of those particular seven markets where the um, survey was conducted? So we chose to carry out the survey in Germany, Spain, Poland, Italy, the Netherlands, France, and the UK. And we interviewed around a thousand employees in each of those markets. And, you know, for anybody who who's interested We've got reports available for each of those markets and then also a combined report as well, because, you know, one of the things that we really found was that we had some significant differences in those markets. The markets made sense to us because they really gave us a good breadth of of different cultural and social and, and economic insight and experience. And we did want to be able to compare and contrast the results that these shown really at the end of the day. One thing that quickly became clear at the start of the pandemic was that different countries were experiencing different rates of infection for a start, that that was clear, but also that governments were trying out 
different methods and tactics and policies in terms of trying to stem the spread. And so we didn't we wanted to make sure we didn't make any assumptions about any of the circumstances or behaviours that employees were experiencing or demonstrating. And we also knew that traditions around Europe, especially when it comes to working from home, really differed significantly before the pandemic. And so we just wanted to make sure we captured all of these all of these different nuances. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So if we look at you mentioned it, the physical health effects of lockdown. If we look at that first and, and thinking about yeah, those seven markets, what were the most concerning findings of that campaign, that research? So the most common physical strains experienced while working from home acro- across all of those markets that I've mentioned were mainly strained eyes and, and headaches. They were kind of the top ones. We were looking at around 40% of people saying that they were suffering from those. And then that was followed by a sore and aching back at 37% and then a stiff neck. And then many of these ailments are, are really likely to occur as a result of not having a correct workstation setup, and also perhaps working with poor lighting and, and poor air ventilation as well and and it may seem strange to comment on air ventilation when you're working from home but particularly over winter months when perhaps windows aren't open or or whatever it may be then you're just simply not getting the the quality of air ventilation circulation you may get in an office building so things like strained eyes and headaches are often associated with incorrect screen positioning and, and poor lighting and ventilation as well so when it comes to things like a sore or aching back and a stiff neck, this can often be as a result of, of several issues such as poor seating, you know, perhaps you're at the wrong height or you haven't got sufficient back support or, or you're actually not sitting close enough to the screen or it can be coupled with the screen being at the wrong height or angle. And interestingly, around a quarter of those who responded to the survey stated they most missed their chair from their corporate office so you know that 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 came out really strongly there we also know that around three quarters of those working from home during the pandemic are working directly from a laptop which over time could really create this type of pain and discomfort so it's really important if you're working directly from a laptop to invest in a separate keyboard and mouse and a good height adjustable laptop riser the top of the screen should be at eye level and you should be able to touch the screen from your seat without leaning forward to, to do so. I think the other interesting observation was in addition to that, around half of the people who responded to the survey in all markets said their home workstation caused more aches and pain and strain than their uh, corporate office workstation. And, and many are and were simply not set up correctly for home working. So I guess the message here would be that it's, it's really important to invest in a desk and an office chair and the correct ergonomic equipment to avoid pain and discomfort leading to, to longer term issues. So we would really encourage employees to discuss arrangements with their employers. The survey also shows some good news that around 53% of uh, respondents said their employer had supported them in creating a healthy home working environment when they began working from home and actually around half were also asked to complete a workstation risk assessment of their home work environment. So, so there is some good news out of this perhaps more, more distressing news as well. Um, I can certainly 
you know, concur with what you're saying. I, I suffered about five weeks into the UK's first lockdown. I'm having been working at home on and off the odd day here and there for 20 odd years. You know, I wasn't prepared for doing it every single day from my, yes. from my MacBook. And I think about five weeks in, I suddenly found myself in excruciating uh, neck pain. I, I could barely, you know, I could barely move and spent the best part of two weeks on very strong anti-inflammatories and painkillers on the sofa, not being able to work. So yeah, I very quickly dusted off my, <laughs> my trusty fellow's sit-stand workstation. Oh, and- and, um, uh, and, and when I got my equipment from the office, you know, a couple of screens, and uh, yeah, it made a significant difference to, to my comfort. What about from a mental health and sort of general well-being perspective? You know, again, looking at the sort of markets that you surveyed, what does that mm. survey tell us about the overall impact of lockdown on those very key areas? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And it's one that's been, you know, in, in the media a lot, I think, over the last few months, you know, the mental strain of being at home, you know, coupled with the fact that employees are very worried about their own health, the health of their friends and family, their work, their finances, that the homeschooling challenges in many cases, the, the list goes on. And, and I know we've talked about this subject on the on the previous podcast in this series as well. So what the research really showed us is the most common mental strains really included things like feeling tired or, or having a lack of energy. Around 43% reported those conditions. Um, feeling lonely or isolated, that was also a big one, 36%. Uh, reported um, those feelings and and then really feeling stressed and, and anxious was also very very common so I think what's really important here is that you know we can't emphasize enough that employees create an environment where employees can share their fears and their concerns and really receive the appropriate support from their business wherever they need it you know it is I think the last few months have been a really isolating experience for many people, particularly if they're living on their own, you know, really work and perhaps, you know, being in contact with friends at the end of the day is their sole contact with a lot of people. And I think it's really important that employers are aware of this and step up and and really put provision in place to make sure people are supported. Yeah. Louise, I've had a chance to compare some of the data that you've published, and it seems that, you know, in terms of the physical side, aches and pains, and also the sort of mental health consequences of lockdown, uh, some countries seem to have been more or differently affected than others. Poland and Spain stand out as two nations, for example, that have fared fairly badly, in some cases reporting double the impact of incidents versus, say, the UK. Strained eyes, sore backs, headaches were significantly worse in Poland and Spain than most of the markets surveyed. And the Spaniards also seem to be very much more likely to suffer from stress and anxiety. They also seem to work longer hours when they're working at home. So what do you believe causes these quite significant regional disparities? Is it legislation or a lack of legislation or are there cultural issues at play here as well? Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting question. And, And I have to say, when we got the research results back, you know, everyone was immediately talking about it because you're right, the, the, the Polish and the Spanish results really stuck out, particularly as being quite different from the rest of the results. So I think if you were to ask any of my colleagues in Poland and Spain the, those questions, they would point to a number of factors that are, that are at a you know, at play here. I think it's fair to say the legislation in place across Europe was, in some cases, is insufficient in many countries to deal with the huge 
and sustained shift to home working. And, you know, as we talked about in the last podcast, you know, a number of governments have approached this issue and obviously looking to address it and at various stages of doing that. But the question is, does it and, and will it go far enough? You know, I was talking to a, to a colleague in Spain this last week who said the legislation in Spain that they've recently introduced covers a chair and um, and having a keyboard and a mouse and and you know they were they were commenting on the fact that you know does it need to be more prescriptive does it need to be more specific so you know it's a difficult one I think you know the legislation is always going to be an issue because unless it's it's very very specific there's always going to be gaps and and loopholes in it and I think part of it is also cultural to go back to original points as already said, a number of markets across Europe were less likely to work from home before the pandemic than others. And Poland and Spain were really both good examples of this. So in Poland, by the end of 2019, only 4.6% of the 16 million in employment regularly work from home. And actually, in the same year, 2019, only 8.3% of those in, in employment in Spain opted to work from home. Now, be that regularly or occasionally. These figures are actually well below the European average of 16.1%. So, you know, they were already really below that average. However, now, several studies show it's the reality that around 20 to 30% of all employees in Spain are now working from home. So I think as a result of this really extreme shift from very, very few working from home to significantly more, employees in these markets were really less likely to have maybe a home working area set up in their home. And maybe employers were also less likely to be prepared to handle the provision for the kinds of equipment and the the kinds of guidance as well that employees in these situations required. I think part of it is also economic and it and it really reflects the differences in the in the sectoral compositions of these economies. So, you know, for example, countries where sectors such as maybe construction and tourism or retail are common, you know, they will really struggle to provide remote working opportunities due to, to the very nature of these sectors. And I think that's, you know, obviously common for areas like Spain, where they're very reliant on tourism, for example, within their economy. I noticed that the UK actually seemed to fare pretty well. I guess that's because we've had you know, a, a fairly flexible workforce for, uh, for quite some time now. Yes, definitely. And, and those sectors that are more service-based, service, sec- uh, service sectors, high-value sectors, you know, they tend to have had more of a tradition of working from home for a longer period of time before the pandemic than, than perhaps some, of, some other sectors. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, do you know if there are any plans to repeat that study in North America or other parts of the world where fellows has a presence? I'm not aware of any at the moment, but we are obviously in discussion with colleagues across uh, some of the other continents. So uh, if we get the chance to do that, we will definitely do that, yeah. Now, in our previous couple of episodes, we've spoken at length about supporting businesses to help you know, their employees working from home you know, comfortably, safely, ergonomically. And uh, we also spoke about hybrid working and the opportunities specifically for our industry's reseller community. How would you advise those resellers uh, to capitalise on the findings of this survey, uh, this new way of working campaign? So, I mean, the world has obviously changed rapidly over what's actually almost 12 months now. Can you believe it? (laughs) It's, I think it's very unlikely the other side of the pandemic will revert back to how it was before. I think as time goes on, 
that's less and less likely to happen. And we're obviously seeing new trends emerging that are likely to become more permanent, even when we get the opportunity to return to offices. So I would firstly encourage businesses to take the findings on board and and really think about how they can use them to adapt their own business models to serve their customers in the best way possible. And, you know, their customers may be existing customers or even new customers who are attracted to the way that they have adapted their business and their business model and and, and are actually finding that's something that that fits well with their own business model. So, you know, I definitely, you know, ask them to to have a read through and see how they can do that. I think also what's important to remember is that, you know, many businesses are managing dispersed workforces right now. And nobody gets a handbook, do they, for for this kind of situation we've all found ourselves in in, over the last 12 months and over, you know, however many months or whatever it will be to come. So I think any help and guidance that our resellers can provide in terms of products or services, you know, will, will definitely be welcome to these businesses. So one, I think, of the obvious ways is just ensuring they're able to provide solutions for those who are working from home. So the ability to be able to access and choose products and services, you know, easily and, and simply deliver them to the employee's home is, is really the perfect solution for a lot of these businesses. The other point I would make is that many businesses and employees are making decisions online now. There is so much less direct contact, as we know, due to social distancing. And, you know, online is where majority of the business is taking place. So I would definitely say... Just make sure your online proposition is clear and it's and it's engaging and relevant to those businesses that you're looking to target, you know, with lots of the appropriate content. Cool. So to support the campaign, we've got lots of assets available for resellers to utilize to engage their customers in the topic and also link with them um, product solutions. And I'm going to do a plug. I'm going to say they can visit fellows.com slash future working to find out more or get in touch with us at fellows excellent louise thank you so much for you know fellows you know leadership this particular area for our industry you know thanks for sharing your thoughts insight and this campaign findings over the the past um, three um, podcasts and yeah let's all hope that we emerge from the back of this pandemic sometime this year and you know can actually embrace this sort of new hybrid working model that we've spoken so much about over the course of the last week or two yeah definitely thank you louise Thank you, Steve. Take care. Look after yourselves. Thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. If you have any questions or comments relating to the content of these past three episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Similarly, if you have something of interest to share with our many thousands of subscribers in 110 countries, do get in touch. Simply email steve at opi.net. That's all for now. Please join us again next week for another show. In the meantime, though, as always, you can keep up to date with all the latest news and developments in the business products industry via our website, opi.net, or on the brilliantly simple OPI app. Search for OPI Magazine in the App Store or on Google Play.